Please insert additional coin. It's Gakesy Lee. You honor me with your presence, Crispy Lee. How can one so tiny hurt so much? Brad Ziegler. He's usually stronger than the average and has a friendly attitude. It's Sports Unsealed. We will not back down. Game on, everybody. It is Jake Seeley, Chris Meany, and Brad Ziegler with you as always. And Brad, look, we could do with the pleasantries. We could do with go check the app at the bottom left corner of your phone app. That's why I said app. See, I can't even get that out of the way because I just want to get into everything. Because I say the pleasantries, you can go to the website. Draft Kit's there. You guys know this. The On the website is actually the top right-hand corner for the podcast. You, again, you know all these things. Let's get into football because there's way too much. We didn't even get really to the AFC West on Monday and we still have nose no look I'm, I'm just gonna skip Brad Chris you just talk how about that is that, is that better well, Maurice I, Harris I know Brad wants to the, talk about KC all day so. no we're getting to that we gotta get the news out of the way first there's two big pieces like news related that we're not either having gotten to these divisions yet or already have actually both of these we haven't got to yet so we'll be getting to them in a few weeks but the Maurice Harris oh no we did that one that was what we started with I don't even know what I'm talking about today Chris Maurice Harris is supposedly so good right now that he would be a starter on the Patriots if the season opened today, according to reports. Am I buying it? Is that what you're asking? Um, what's your interpretation? Um, I mean, I, I I don't really have one. Uh, <laughs> I, I all these reports, like you just you you just really unsure um, of what's going to happen. I mean, I guess that goes to show with with new England and, and what they have to offer. Right. I mean, we've talked about them before with, with Julian Edelman and, and who I don't else? Want, if you're drafting today, I'm not drafting where are you him. taking him. I'm not, not at all. Not, not no. Like I just, I don't feel like in, in your standard 12 team league 14, he's probably not going to get drafted. Maybe at the end in a deeper format. I mean, I'll take a, I'll take a shot on him, but I think in, in your standard league and most people listening right now, I mean, he's probably going to go undrafted. Well, drafts now yeah. is starting to go because Brad, I don't know if you have the same. I'm 100% willing to take him because I was a somewhat fan of Maurice Harris even when he was with the Redskins. But the Patriots need people to throw the ball to. If yeah. you're telling me he's the number two wide receiver across from Edelman, I mean, are, are you a little bit more hopeful, Brad, or are you just like Chris and eh, I don't really want much to do outside of this team of Edelman? I just I feel like there's better options, and, and especially from an upside perspective, he's not like a, a tremendous athlete who, who's just going to burn better you guys all day. It's going to Better for the Patriots? Uh, no, like in a, in a fantasy draft. In a fantasy draft. For the okay. Patriots, it might be fine. But I, I honestly am am really hesitant with this offense right now. I know they tend, tend to find a way, and Brady you know, usually doesn't matter what receivers are out there, but it's really hard to buy into anybody outside of Edelman and, and maybe you know maybe Michelle if you get the 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 right round, but you got to be scared of him right now. Damian Harris in the 10th round looks like a pretty good buy. And then James White, outside of those guys, I, there's anybody I really want to touch in this because there's just so many questions right now. Belichick doesn't care one bit about your fantasy team, so he'll, he'll run a different guy out there every single week, no matter if the guy had a good game the, the week before or not. So um, I, I I don't know. I, I'm... I understand there, there's potential upside if he's the guy all year for sure, but but I don't I just don't see that happening. I think... Um, you know, that this is the Boston Herald saying this. It's not coming from the Patriots. It's this, this is them watching practice. He looks like the best guy right now opposite Edelman. 
and that's fine. Like, I just think a lot can change. I mean, there's still, you know, 40 plus days before the season starts. And, and, yeah, we, you know, all, yeah, we, like I told Chris, and look, I'm going to, I'm going to get on both of you. Like, we want to answer today. People are drafting this weekend. Uh, flex leagues, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just, I will not be taking him. No uh, chance. No, no, no. Both of you guys. I understand. Like, I'm not saying you're not making valid points. I completely understand what you're saying. But uh, I'm saying, I think we all kind of know that. And if you're drafting today with the potential, if the news holds and the news holds and he is the number two, are you going to take a flyer if you're drafting this weekend? Or are you going to wait until preseason week three? Because preseason week three, if he's the number two wide receiver locked in stone, or that's not even a real thing. But if he's there at that point, he's, you're not going to get him for basically free, which is what you can get right now. Yeah, I mean, sure. But how high is he going to go? Like, is he is he is he going to get up to that 10th round range with guys like... Deshaun Jackson and, I don't know, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, probably not. DK Metcalf. Like, I yeah, agree with I'll Brad. Take, it's just... I would 100% take a 12th rounder on him today. Today, specifically, today. July 31st. I'll, I'll so you'd rather have round. him over, like, Paris Campbell, Tyra Williams, your boy, Bayshon Hamilton, Devontae Parker? Like, those are your guys you'd rather you'd rather have Harris over? I think, you know, I agree with a lot of what Brad said. The link. <laughs> I, and I will check the link, and everybody <laughs> should check the link. I know you just updated no, your, your well, here rankings, I'll, I'll give you an example because you're throwing out a bunch of names, but you're throwing out a bunch of names that are also in situations, and a lot of those guys are inside my top 50. Like I think Tyrell Williams is undervalued to begin with. But I'll give you, for example, I'd much rather draft Maurice Harris than to go down the Ted Ginn route or chase Josh Doxson again or yes, hope that Anthony Miller takes a step forward with the Bears mm-hmm. who have a lot of options. And yes, ahead of Paris Camel because we hear all the talk about Paris Camel, but he's still a rookie who should see most of his work out of the slot. He's not even the number two unless something goes completely wrong with Funches, which is certainly possible. But to your question, to answer your question, Chris, I absolutely would. I would take him ahead of all those guys. Do I have him ranked there in projections? No, because it's still not a clear picture and there's still other people involved, including Nikhil Harry. But... Mm-hmm. That's why I asked you guys this question is because it's more so getting the strategy out there for everybody in general is, do you hear this news? Do you take the flyer? Do you hear this news or toss it off as in, eh, it's preseason. It's not even preseason yet. Let's just ignore it. Yeah, I, it is interesting that because there's not a lot of weapons here. So, I mean, he could have, he could have decent games and, and you're right. He's not going to cost you anything right now. So I understand if you're drafting right now, I, I get your original question. I, I think this just goes to show on how thin the Patriots are in their receiver core. And I agree with a lot of Brad, what he said. I mean, I think they're a team that just, they want to run the football. They're going to use a lot of backs and I just don't have a lot of interest in, in anyone really on this offense. And it's crazy to say, because they're probably going to win the Super Bowl again. I just, I just, uh, it's, it's kind of a Easy pass. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> they probably will. Uh, they'll be there. But I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I, I just feel like there's, there's no upside with him, even in a, in a sheer front volume standpoint. I mean, he's not a thousand yard guy, even if he plays all 16 games as a starter. So it, there, there's just not any, anything there that, um, that I'm like, yeah, I want this guy in my starting lineup. I, I just don't see it. I, there's guys I'd rather, I'd rather take a shot on like an Andy Isabella or, or somebody like that, where it look, if he's the number three in a super high volume passing offense, there's he's got a better chance to have to have big games than than Maurice Harris does to me. Let's get to the other piece of news from yesterday. We've gone down this road again, so there might, might be a whole lot to say. But Ronald Jones is getting talked up, and Ronald Jones, the quote coming from Arians and the team is Ronald Jones is putting up a good battle, and the praise keeps coming. We look, we've discussed the Ronald Jones thing weeks ago, and the problem with Ronald Jones in the past game, and the question marks here, and they have Andre Ellington, blah 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 blah, but. Is this a piece of preseason training camp news that you're going to pay attention to, Chris? 
This is for sure. This is a battle I want to pay attention to. Bruce Arians in there. I'm excited about Tampa's offense. Um, so I, the offensive line is not great. And that's what I, I think we said this last year, Jake, a lot. We were trying to, you know, not make excuses for Ronald Jones, but try to say, like, listen, I mean, every time this guy touches the ball, he's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. And that, that's what was happening in the preseason. That was happening when he was on the football field. And that was happening in some, you know, some camp videos that I saw early in the year is he was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. But, I mean, Bruce Arians saying a lot of positive things about Ronald Jones. I mean, he doesn't have to. It's not like he needs to s- just to pump his tires just because. I mean, he's talking about Barber and Jones as a heck of a one-two punch. I think he'll use them both. But I think the upside, I think we can all agree the upside is with Ronald Jones. It's not with Peyton Barber. We've already seen what he can do, and it's not much. So well, you heard my quote. So that, And that's my quote for, for this season. Even if Peyton Barber wins the job, we still all lose. Yeah, we do. I mean, I would yeah. rather take the shot on Jones than Barber, and I'll, I'll say that you know nine times out of ten. Even you know, even if Barber has a better season, I I won't go back on it. Yeah, for sure. And th- this is one one the only situation in, in this backfield where I want a part of it is when it comes down to we've talked about it before roster construction. If I go wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, or something at the beginning of the draft. And I'm I'm kind of desperate for upside running backs. That's the only way I'm I'm even buying into anybody in this backfield. I just don't I don't think I don't like number one. I, I think Ronald Jones is more of kind of the the satellite back. Better he's going to be a good receiving back. But those those backs are usually not consistent fantasy producers week to week, and they're not somebody I want in my lineup on a week to week. They're great in a best ball because when they have that blow up week, you 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 know they they just get fitted in your lineup. But I I just don't. That's not a guy I want to start. I don't see him being a. He's not going to be a twenty touch guy. None of the, neither of these guys are going to be a twenty touch guy every week. And there's just not enough volume there for me to to you know want to want to invest when you know I would I would rather have there's there's guys in the tenth round like like Damian Harris. Um, they're they're probably going around the same spot. And I would much rather have Damian Harris because he has a chance to be a legitimate you know two or three down back in in New England if Michelle has some some injury issues. So. Um, I would rather take a shot on a guy like that that I, I feel like has more regular volume upside. So there was the stat also for the Peyton Barber thing that they, somebody threw out. There was nobody with that many. I think it was either carries, uh, touches, obviously, but I think it was carries. Nobody's ever had that many and not top 1,000 rushing yards. So it might be wow. touches and some other, but, I mean, he had – or maybe it was the touches and topping, I don't know, something around there. The point being, he stunk yeah. with all the touches. 234 carries and still – only had 871 yards. So that's really all you need to know. But we promise today is AFC West. Let's get into it. We barely even talked about any of them so far. Although we did talk a lot about your Chiefs already, Brad, for all intents and purposes, because we had to dissect the whole situation with Tyreek Hill, which we talked up and down about the wide receivers. We've already talked about taking Travis Kelsey in the first round. I don't think we need to talk about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, unless you're just the first year you've ever even turned on the TV to play football, uh, you know what Patrick Mahomes is. So, hey this is your team Sammy Watkins is the number two as long as he's held like is there anything here to even talk everything's talked about we know what's with the Chiefs yeah for for sure and I you know there there are people buying into McCall Hardman even you know when Tyreek Hill was looking like he was going to get suspended I don't know that McCall Hardman is going to see the field any more or any less now than he would have because I think he's a pretty raw good athlete um, I, you know, he's obviously fast. Um, I think they're going to u- do some trick plays, some jet sweep, some, you know, bubble screens, that kind of stuff to get him the ball in, in space. 
and and basically have kind of two of the the same guy on the field but he's not Tyreek Hill he's not as good a route runner um he's got a lot to learn and and so I think they're gonna Andy Reid I will say this one thing about him is he, he will put guys in a good position to succeed and right now that's not an every down role for McCole Hartman even as a third you know third receiver I think Demarcus Robinson uh probably wins that job if he's healthy and um, I, I am actually kind of buying into to Sammy Watkins. They said he did a lot of stuff this offseason um, to like to essentially realign his hips to take some pressure off of his feet, which have been a, a major injury problem. Um, they said he looks great. He's explosive right now. He has z- zero issues with his feet. I mean, we we saw in his rookie year where, you know, where the upside could be because he was still learning then and still super productive. If he's on the field, even 14 games, he's a wide receiver two at minimum. And um, he's going to get a lot of volume. And that's a guy I'm, I'm buying into in, in about the fifth round or wherever he's going. Yeah, he's going a lot later now. I know, Jake, you were you had all kinds of salmon when we thought Tyreek was going to go out. And he was like, what, a fourth round pick, fifth round pick? I mean, you go look at Fantasy Football Calculator. I mean, that's the guy who's moved the most over the past month. He's gone from an end of the fifth pick to the start of the eighth. I mean, that's a pretty significant drop off. And I'm, I like it a lot more. I mean, I had a hard time spending that early pick. I understood it with no Tyreek. I mean, an opportunity to be the man there after Travis Kelsey in what is a good offense. But I like it a little bit better as an eighth. Um, but he's he's very hit or miss. Brad, you talk about best ball. You never mentioned best ball once with Sammy Watkins. I mean, he's your typical best ball guy. Look at the no, three games not. last year. He had three games over 100. He had four games under 40 yards. I mean, he's very hot and cold. He, he, you no, can't, no. Cons- best you can't count on him. Not- no, but you're not. You're rostering him in the standard league. You're not. Well, not I don't. Him. What do you mean in a standard league? I mean, I'd have a hard time rolling him out with confidence, to be honest. Oh, and that's fine by you, but in a he's best ball, best, he's not that far about best ball. He's what? Well, he's a great best ball guy. I think he's a great best ball guy because you just don't know what you you're not sure what games are gonna what games are gonna be great from him. So you're not you're not taking him at all in a redraft, is what you're saying. Yeah, I'll probably pass to be honest. I mean, I like like I said, I like him better in the eighth round. I definitely didn't like him in the in the fifth and the sixth. No way. I mean, this is a guy who who's hardly been able to stay on the football field. I mean, ten games last year. I mean, Look, he's only played fifteen. I'm gonna, oh, hey, fifteen once. I'm, I'm going to throw the Salfino argument at you, so you can just say you're not drafting. Sixteen hundred yards in the last three years from Sammy. <laughs> It's fine. I'm not saying the stat. I said, I'm telling you, like what he always says, I'm, I'm saying it tongue in cheek, is that, Salfino, if you're going to go that far, your answer is just, I'm not drafting Sammy Watkins. Why? Because he's never making it to you. Because that was the, well, cause there's the point that the, the whole discussion yesterday, we got to talk about A.J. Green briefly, uh, again, because there's updated news that he's going to significantly miss games. They're now talking. They said, the quote was, we just hope we get him for the first half of the season at all. Oh, yikes. So, that's a giant concern for everybody out there that's drafting right now. Heads up. Pay attention to this. A.J. Green is now down to 43 in my wide receiver rankings because I couldn't project more than about eight games, nine games, and feel comfortable about it. But all I'm saying is the way what happened, Chris, is somebody said, where would you take A.J. Green? And Jeff Erickson was like 10 or more. And I said, so it's the Salfino answer. Salfino's point is what he always says is like, it doesn't matter if you're saying running back 15, running back 40, running back 732. If it's three to plus rounds of lower than their ADP, even after the news, it's basically you're not drafting him because he's never yeah, going to make Someone it. else is going to get him. But yeah. I feel more right. people feel like me than you guys with Sammy. Most people are willing to say no thanks to Sammy and and he'll fall down to the eighth round I don't think he's gonna no. I don't think he's going in the fifth like that's crazy I would no, never well, take the him fifth in the fifth was or a, sixth no, the fifth was a completely different situation because that was when Tyreek Hill could possibly miss a significant chunk of the season 
Sammy Watkins now, even recently, is still going in the – I'll tell you right now, he's going in the middle of the fifth round. That's, end of the sixth that's round. wild. Or at, beginning of the sixth round. He's 509. That's crazy to me. I would never do it. Never. Don't so do it, guys. Essentially, what you're asking here is, will, will you go slightly above his ADP to make sure you get him? Because if you no. draft him at his ADP, it's it's a matter of where you fall in the round. You know, are you if no, he's five hundred three no, and you're drafting at five ten, no, no, are you no, willing to get him at probably, the end of the fourth? He, he's probably not, not, that wasn't the question because he's probably falling back as of today and got, going at five hundred nine. So it's not whether what, or not you would. What draft side him do you use for that? Because I got him at eight hundred six on on fancy football calculator. Yeah, he's dropped so, down significantly, but it, I mean, it depends what draft. Yeah, I mean, every well, draft is yeah. obviously yeah, different. Depends on what your timeline is. So if he's in the eighth round, point being, if you're so you would take him in the eighth, Chris. Yeah, I mean that's, I wouldn't take him any earlier. Okay. Yeah, and I I'd go as high as maybe even the sixth on him, seventh for sure, just to make sure I got him because I I think there is there's I mean there's a, a obscene amount of upside in that offense if he's healthy. It's just a matter of healthy, and you're you're but you're chasing after about the fifth round, you're chasing upside. That's that's. You know, you're, you've already kind of got your starters locked in. And then at that point, it's like, okay, who might be an absolute monster when I pick right here? And he's one of those guys that could be if he's healthy. And I know it's a big if, but he, he could be. To look at his uh, graph real quick, if you're on a fantasy football calculator, you can see it going. Basically, you can see the moment where we got the Tyreek Hill news. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Play. It was like the end of the fifth, into, and now he's the early eighth. I mean, he's dropped significantly. Okay, so let's talk about what many, including myself, would argue is the biggest competition within this division for the Chiefs, and that's the Chargers. Because the Chargers, playoff caliber team, but we look, we've already gone down the Melvin Gordon Road. We've done that on the show already because the news broke and we covered that for you. Has We'll hit this one as a quick version. Chris, has your opinion changed at all on Melvin Gordon, or are you still where you are? Yeah, it's, I'm still where I am. I, just, I don't want him. I'm just going to fade. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am too. He, I think he's I think he's sitting out half the year. So is there at a is there a point where you would bat, would you you would buy at some point? Mm, yeah, this is kind of the same conversation, right? Like right, third? Yeah, he'll yeah, get taken what, before. Yeah, yeah, and we're trying to help everybody. No, I get it. No, I I under, totally understand <laughs> it. Um, like third, maybe end of the third, and you know I just won't get him. There's another guy, you know, since we're talking about fantasy football calculator. I mean, this guy's right now, according to their website, on average, a ninth pick in the second round. I wouldn't do that. Still too early. Yeah. Same for you, Brad. Yeah. No, I I, I don't because that's that's essentially the ninth pick of the second round is if you're so you go you know, one of those top running backs, and then he becomes your RB2 at that point. But then you're you're hurting yourself at wide receiver with a guy who may not be on the field for half the season. That's way too early for me. And I could definitely understand it. And and to go back again to the rankings and projections, Melvin Gordon is 19th. That's how far he fell. Just because, again, I got a big – and I don't even know what to give him. Somebody asked me, like, how many games is that? And I did. I did 10 games. So I got six games missing. But even so, that could still be too high. Mm. It could be too low if something happens tomorrow because Ezekiel Elliott looks like he's about to get his contract. But the Chargers seem a lot more steadfast and not wanting to pay him and going with their ways. And we've heard the reports day after day after day. So on that side of things, let's let's kind of look at it. I guess you guys can answer with both qualifications here because let's talk about Phillip Rivers in the passing game and you have Keenan Allen, you have Mike Williams now making that step forward. Hunter Henry that everybody wanted to be a top five tight end last year is kind of getting back into the conversation. Not quite. So there's a lot of options here, Chris, but 
is any of it affected by Melvin Gordon? Like, are you as high as you are on all the receiving options if there's no Melvin Gordon, or does no Melvin Gordon mean you got to knock down the entire offense? Yeah, it's a really good question um, because – Thank you. Yeah, I mean, Melvin Gordon <laughs> – I have to sit on that one for a little bit. No, Melvin Gordon is – I mean, he's he is a big part of the offense. I know, Brad, you, you brought up last week in the last show that they were fine without him, and they will be fine without him. Uh, I don't know if they can win the Super Bowl without him, but – um, I mean, they can win ball games. I mean, Brad, you talked about the game in Kansas City without them. So I, I don't think I'll downtick everyone. And maybe it means a few more passes because the offense doesn't run as nice with Jackson running because we know Austin Eckler is not that type of running back. Just, Justin Jackson's going to get those carries, and, and he's not going to be as efficient as Melvin Gordon, let's be honest. Um, but maybe that means a few more throws for – Philip Rivers. I don't know if when you updated your projections, if you gave a few more throws for Rivers, a few more targets for guys like Mike no. Williams or Keenan Allen. So I, I, I don't think. Well, it, th- that part, yeah, I didn't, I didn't touch yeah, Philip Rivers, didn't, but I, I didn't did touch Rivers. But the other guys, yeah, I mean the other guys like Mike Williams too. You mentioned him with the breakout. I, I like him. I, I think he's a, a huge red zone threat, and you know his coming out party was last year. I mean he was phenomenal at Clemson. I just think he's a, I just think he's a terrific wide receiver. Just throw it up to him and watch him bring it down. So I, I like Rivers and and everybody in this offense. Uh, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'll take a shot on Justin Jackson at the end, but he's, I, I, I don't think he's somebody that will want to start like even week one as like a flex guy. This, I'd rather Eckler. Obviously, the price is a little bit steeper. Yeah, but Eckler, Eckler has value even if Gordon comes back. And that's, yes. that to me is the, the, big, the big deal with him because you can, again, I don't like playing third down back, satellite backs in an in a every week league, but if he's the primary handcuff and he has value for it as a bi-week replacement or something like that, that's a lot of different scenario than, than drafting a, you know, Benny Snell to, to back up, um, you know, to back up James Conner because he's Benny Snell has no value if James Conner is healthy. And so if that's the case, then, you know, you, I don't, I don't touch a guy like that in a redraft, but um, you know, Eckler is Austin Eckler is somebody that I could definitely get on board with because there is that, that, ability to play him in a, a week that Melvin Gordon's even playing um, because he can still get you potential, you know, at least flex value. So we'll talk about the receivers though. For the, Are you on the board of top 25 potential for Mike Williams or you think this excitement's going too far or Hunter Henry, he should be a top five tight end. I mean, we have a lot of options here, including Travis Benjamin. If we're going to talk quote unquote best ball, mm. that's the only place. And that's actually a pretty damn good place for Travis Benjamin to be. Yeah, and I, I am definitely on board with Hunter Henry, and I think Hunter Henry being there all season, you know, uh, assuming he is, actually really hurts Mike Williams. I'm, I'm off Mike Williams at his current ADP. Um, I haven't taken him literally in a single draft out of over 40, even best balls. Um, I, it's not that I don't think he's a decent receiver. I don't think he's as good as he showed last year. I think it was kind of more out of necessity. I don't see there's any way. I mean, the guy had 66 catches, or, or sorry, 43 catches and 10 touchdowns. That's unbelievable efficiency. There's just no way that that, that can be duplicated at that rate, um, especially now that, that you know Tyrell Williams is gone and there's going to be a lot more focus put on him. He's not the third receiver anymore. He's the second guy. And I, 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 I don't want him at that ADP. Um, at, at the same time, I'm good with, I love Keenan Allen. Um, he's just, you know, extremely consistent. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I have no problem taking him. Um, and I have no problem putting, um, Hunter Henry as the number five tight end. Yeah. I would, uh, agree, I would Chris, agree with that. Because, yeah. Wait, you agree with all I would agree with or? Hunter Henry being a, definitely a top five tight end for sure. And he, and he, you also bring up a good point. Like 
I mean, some of those targets are going to go away, but you also mentioned Tyra Williams leaving, so he probably still will get the same sort of workload. I mean, he's a freak. Use this guy. I think he should be used. Um, I, I Maybe he I definitely won't get 10 touchdowns. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, that's that's no. hard to talk. I think you're both off your damn rockers. You think he can get there again? Oh, not, there's not a question in my mind he's going to get there again oh, because wow, he's nice. the number two, and he's not only going to get 60-something targets. He's going to get 90-plus, and when it comes to the red zone, We've had years with Antonio Gates on this team with Phillip Rivers, and we can make that reference because Phillip Rivers has been there forever. Yeah. He's still <laughs> hanging on forever. He's had seasons with Antonio Gates putting up good numbers, including receiving touchdown numbers, and people like Eddie Royal were putting up numbers for the Chargers as a second or third wide receiver. So I completely disagree, and we're not going to – we've done this before. We're not going to agree on everything, so I'm not saying I'm right, you're crazy, Brad. I just – to put me in that statement is what I was saying, Chris. I think, no, don't put me there. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I'm not – Mike Williams was in the conversation. This is where I'm coming from. Mike Williams, and I agreed with, it was in the conversation to be the number one wide receiver in that draft class with Corey Davis. Everybody pretty much went Corey Davis. But Mike Williams wasn't that far behind, and Mike Williams' biggest concern was the back injury. He is, one, he is a dominant red zone threat, and I would agree with what you say in one thing, Brad. If he only catches 43 balls – no, I don't think 10 touchdowns is feasible. Although I think – or realistic. I think it is feasible. I don't think it's realistic. But I don't see him only catching 43 because I don't see him only getting 66 targets with no Tyrell Williams, even with Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry back because they threw to the tight end. It's not like they didn't throw to the tight end last year. So I see 90-plus targets, which means I see 60-plus receptions. And on 60-plus receptions, Mike Williams getting ton, 10 touchdowns would not be a shock. I mean, he had the second most targets in his offense last year. I mean, it's always been Keenan Allen. I mean, Keenan Allen led, led, obviously, the Chargers, but only one more red zone target than Mike Williams last year. And the year before that, Keenan Allen was a beast as well. Rivers likes to throw the ball in the red zone. We talk about Aaron Rodgers. At least I do. I talk about Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball in the red zone. Phillip Rivers likes to do it as well. I agree with you. I said it earlier. I mean, he's a he's a beast. Throw it up to him and watch him bring it down. I mean, he's a weapon. you got to use him. So, I, I mean, 10 is, 10 is a high number. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I think seven and eight is 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 pretty solid. I mean, he's a he's a terrific wide. All right. Well, then you guys can play the over under. So mm. I gave here. I'll give you my stat line, which people can go see on the athletic as you guys are listening, and both of you over under. So I have ninety nine actually targets for Mike Williams, Chris. Who I'll go under. I'll go under also. This. But how far for you, Brad? Because I'm assuming by your uh, side there, Chris, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's pretty close. I, 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 I actually think I'll go like to 75 targets. I think he gets a, a little bump, but not 75. Not yeah, I think I think I mean, oh, they were putting for, oh, Antonio. screw. No, no, no. Screw the dollar <laughs> bet. We're putting money. No, we're putting significant money on this one, Brad. I will take you up on a bet on this one, but that's more than a dollar. Two bucks. What? Okay, so what? what's our bet then? Because I'm projecting 75, but as an over under, you can't just set it at 75. Because seven, take that's, the midway, that's my projection. So eighty, we'll go eighty-three and a half. That sounds good to me, 80. and I'll still take okay. the over. I would take, the, take over the over on eighty. I would take the over on eighty-three too. Jake, I was thinking like mid nineties, so you're dead on. Like I was thinking like ninety, mid nineties, uh, roughly and around there. And, so, and, and again, if there's so no Gordon, they're probably going to throw the ball a little bit more. Right. So I have sixty receptions, eight hundred fifty yards, and seven and a half touchdowns. So you know eight if you want to round up but the point being like it's not even 10 it's still not even 10 that puts him inside the top 30 obviously you're on that and obviously brad has different brought you're on the other side of it so you would if you're in a draft with brad and you're looking at mike williams you don't have to worry if he's drafting next to you that you, you can get him <laughs> on the way back you'll know that you can just continue to wait uh so we've got the chargers we've got the well real quick as of today everybody's taking eckler over 
Justin Jackson, even with the you know reports of like, oh, Jackson's looking good. We got to give him more touches. We're still going Eckler over Jackson. Yeah, but I mean, Jackson's free. I mean, I, I don't know Jake where he's he's gone in your recent drafts. Well, so, but okay, not, not so a bad that's little my flyer. Point, I guess is let's look at it this way. Let's assume Melvin Gordon is out. Like we know now. Like he officially says, "I'm coming back." Tells us, which isn't going to happen. But he's like, "Hey, I'm coming back in week nine. That's what I'm doing." Well, something like that. Whatever. Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. I think what you're going to say, and where I agree with you, is the gap shouldn't be as big as it is. Like, if you look at the gap between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, it's pretty close. And I'm not saying they're Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, but there's the people taking Royce Freeman for the potential of what what if he ends up getting 55% and Lindsay falls to 45? The gap should be closer in their ADP than it is, right? Yeah, and it's, I mean, again, we'll go to Fantasy Football Calculator. It's its a seventh-round pick for Eckler, and it's a 13th-round pick for Jackson. I mean, there's Right, a, there's it should be like gap. seventh and ninth. Yeah, and you're right. And, I mean, the gaps between, like, for example, Sanders and and Howard is, like, around. It's a few, It's not even significant a few picks. We're What's talking Lindsay about the t- and Freeman? They're talking about the, the Tampa guys. Freeman is the eighth pick in the eighth round, and Lindsay, Lindsay's actually up there in the fourth. So there's a pretty big gap there, four to eight, but – we're it's talking about the Tampa guys. Not, yeah, it's yeah. not as significant as six rounds, almost seven with Jackson and and Eckler. So, yeah, that, that's, the Tampa Bay guys might be a really good comparison. Yeah, if too. if you're if you're um, I don't know, if you start your draft maybe wide receiver, wide receiver, and you're plucking through some backs, and you know you're struggling, you don't get a couple guys that you wanted. I think guys like yeah, we've kind of you know poo pooed Barber and you know in the eleventh, and then in the thirteenth. You're not going to ignore a starting running back on a team. So, I mean, you could get by in the first couple of weeks, but know that you're probably in a tough spot if you got Barber and Jackson on your on your team and you're starting one of them. Yeah, and the, diff- the difference with Jackson to me is e- Eckler has value all season long, whereas if Gordon does come back, Jackson has instantly no value unless Gordon gets hurt. And if he comes back at week nine, you're essentially drafting Jackson for half a season, and that's why I think he, he falls low lower um, because you know you're not getting a full season of production out of him whereas Eckler like I said you can plug him into your flex spot every single week even when Gordon's there and potentially get it you know get you know RB3 production at that point and that's a that's a good point but it shouldn't be a five-round difference for just that point no and I I agree with that because I mean the guys you're drafting at the end of the draft what are the odds that they're actually on your team at the end of the season anyways you know if you're playing the waiver wire those are all the guys you're cutting typically so after week eight you you draft you know reach up a round or two grab Justin Jackson have him for half season then then when Gordon comes back cut him and pick somebody else up. Would you rather have Edo Smith or Justin Jackson? I'd rather have oh, Jackson, Jackson, Jackson rather have right Jackson. now. Yeah. yeah, same. What about Justin? It doesn't sound like or... Jackson. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I, I'll go Jackson. I'll go Jackson on that one. I like Justice Hill, but I, I'll i go Justin Jackson. <laughs> that wasn't me, but I heard that, yeah. Usually that's me. I'm like, I don't know what the heck to do here. What about like a, a clear backup like Alexander Mattison or? Oh, no. I, I'm not, I don't draft handcuffs in a redraft league. I would, I would rather try to find a, a starting running back. In a okay. dynasty league is the only time I but try to handcuff guys like that. But that's a good point, and the reason I bring up all these names because these are all the names going around yeah. Justin Jackson. Yeah. Sure. And to, to your point, and Chris, you know this because I preach it every year, is don't fill your benches with the Frank Gores and to go back, and I, it was always the Greg Jennings joke that I made, is don't fill it up with that. It's basically the guys, are they ever going to get in your lineup? And if it's your best – reason if this is your best reason i can use them in a bye week you don't draft them that's <laughs> yeah, good, that's good so call. worthless for you you want somebody like jackson where 
it could break out and change things. And actually, Madison could be that in that conversation. But to Brad's point, he's right. You're not drafting him. Don't draft for the handcuff. Draft Mattinson in like the 13th, 12th round because if something happens to Dalvin Cook in the preseason, all of a sudden you have the lead running back for that team. Stop yeah, but you don't want him on guys. your roster week one if Dalvin Cook's healthy. Like you cut him before the season and pick somebody else up at that point. Yeah, because... I mean, obviously, and it depends on what else is out there. But, you know, that, sure. that my point being, you know, put it this way. I want to drop Even if Dalvin Cook's healthy week one, I'm not draft, dropping Alexander Mattinson to go pick up Frank Gore. I'm looking like, at the schedule sure. right now. I mean, Eckler's going to have a game against the Colts week one. Detroit week two, That's Jackson's going to be a borderline RB2, I think. It might, definitely a guy flex that you could start as a – They a, both as, end up startable. Yeah, if, if there's yeah, no, no Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, for sure. All right, so, but you're looking, if you're looking at the ADP and guys after Jackson and ADP that I would take over him, I would take Matt Breida over him. I would take uh, Duke Johnson over him because I think Duke Johnson gets traded halfway through the season and becomes a starter somewhere. I don't even care if he doesn't. Yeah, he's still going to have value in Cleveland. Um, for, for sure. I would even, I would even consider taking Malcolm Brown over him because I think that the Rams, his, his role on the Rams could be better than, than Justin Jackson's no. role on the charters. You're, you're forgetting about Daryl Henderson. No, I'm not was, forgetting was, about him. I, I just yeah. think Malcolm Brown, they brought him back for a reason and I think they like him. Yeah. He knows the to offense. be the third option. I don't we're, think we're so. Put more bets on this. De- <laughs> Deion Malcolm Lewis is, is one that you kind of skipped over. Compared. Deion Lewis is going Deion right Lewis around there. Him. Well, I, right I skipped over him on purpose no, because br- br- that's kind no, of changed. Not you. Brad was mentioning some guys, and I, I thought Deion Lewis should be in consideration as somebody maybe you could take over Justin Jackson. Oh, no, not even maybe for me. I'm yeah. taking De- Deion Lewis over, over every single person we've named so far. That's what – well, that's why – Toss them out there. <laughs> like, people just that's 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 the best the only the best hand quote unquote handcuff in the league in my opinion right now is Latavius Murray because to the argument that you were just making Brad about Austin Eckler is he's going to have standalone value is it going to be frustrating and you're going to get some weeks where you only get two points because of how the Saints are game flow yes but he has standalone value for many weeks and then if anything were to happen to Camara holy crap oh boy. so. Yeah. I love Latavius. Yeah. Lewis isn't far from that, though. I know he was disappointing, but he was disappointing with the jerking around of LaFleur, and n- there was no consistency to that running game. And then at the end of the season, they did have consistency. He just went all in with Derrick Henry, which further plummeted the value of or perceived value of Deion Lewis and drafters. But to your point, Chris, yes, if, if something happens to Derrick Henry, which it has yeah. as of right now, although supposedly it's nothing serious, it's just they want to keep him stable as mentioned. Uh, that he should be fine at the beginning of the season. Still, it's a question mark. But we got to get two more teams in here. As I say, we got the AFC East is getting done today, everybody. Next one, West. I'm saving the one. The what did I say? NFC you, East West. You said North. AFC East, yeah. We're doing that division Whatever. with the Chiefs and the Chargers. How about that? Yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah. those others. The actual West Coast. I warned you. <laughs> I warned you at the beginning. This was going to be a, a tough episode for me. Apparently, I, we we saw that out of the gate. Uh, so two more teams. I'm saving the Raiders last because I'm excited for the Raiders. So hold on to them for a second. And let's talk about the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, we, and we were just talking about it. The Lindsey Freeman situation. Let's start there, Chris. Lindsey coming off an injury. Yes, it's an injury to his hand, but it is an injury where a lot of those hand-type injuries can cause issues holding onto the ball. Everything sounds fine, but we still know the size of Philip Lindsay. And we know the success rate of running backs in the past of a BMI of that type of size, the, you know, every ratio number size wise you want to throw out, there is legitimate concern with Lindsay. And you throw in the fact that Royce Freeman is still a good talent that just had a bad rookie season. Are you scared off of Lindsay and not even taking him anywhere? Because I haven't taken him where he's been going. Cause I'm not paying that price for him. 
Are you looking at Freeman? Are you more concerned now that we're hearing they brought in Theo Riddick to start potentially getting touches or even being signed? Yeah, that well, was pretty interesting. That would have to be the other way around. Yeah, that I thought that was pretty interesting to hear that. I, I think he left without a contract. That doesn't mean that he won't sign, but they were obviously interested. So, I mean, that I mean, a signing like Theo Riddick would certainly cut into Philip Lindsay and what he can do and what you're drafting him for. He's an easy pass for me. Like, no thanks. Right in around that range where he's going, I'd, I'd much rather have David Montgomery. Mark Ingram's a fan of all of ours. We, we like Ingram. We, we, we've, we've talked about him before. Chris Carson, I like James White. These are guys I'd much rather have in that range with Philip R- Lindsay. And, I, I, I mean, yeah, I don't need to beat the drum. I think we've all said it. He's a <laughs> small back. Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I did have Philip Lindsay. He's a small back, and I just don't think he can hold up like that and I'm more willing to take the shot on Royce Freeman at the end of the eighth as like a bounce back candidate for sure 100% but it, I okay so throw ADP out for a second which I know you, you can't always do but just for the sake of this discussion he's the exact same body size as Dion Lewis and and if you buy into Dion Lewis as a potential you know handcuff to, to Derrick Henry with with some other value, Lindsey's the same guy. Except last year he showed you know over the course of the season he was really productive. But I don't think he can do that on a year to year basis. And I don't think Dion Lewis can either. And Freeman's and so got for, like fifty pounds on him. Man. On what? Lindsey, F- Freeman's got the. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But Dion Lewis is five eight one ninety five. Oh Dion Lewis. Okay. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So they're they're basically the same guy. And if we're if we're saying he's he's essentially the you know, a handcuff that you would take later because he's got well, potential RB one or to be a starter for his team. Then I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's going to be, they're going to be almost a 50, 50 split uh, touch wise down the middle. I think that too. Exactly. That's exactly why you should pass on Lindsay. And that, yeah. that's fair. So, well, two things is one is Dion Lewis maybe listed as whatever, but if you look at them both on the field, Lewis is built better in the legs in that area. It just, the, the way he's built is different. And I think he's got him by like 10 pounds, if I'm not mistaken, since, I mean, the numbers they usually throw on the co- are combine numbers. He's put on some muscle. And all that being said, let's even, let's just say you are right. They're the exact size, compare, like swap out the bodies, put different heads on. They're the exact same. To your point, Brad, you're not wrong in what you're saying. And, but the difference is why I don't think what your comparison for the draft wise is, is correct is because, you were saying, well, you're saying take Deion Lewis as that handcuff. Something happens. Derrick Henry becomes the lead. I agree. He wouldn't be a 70% touch guy. What we're saying, or what I'm saying is, Deion Lewis is going super late in drafts for no reason. Philip Lindsay in the fourth round is too early for the same. Cons- like, to your point, if you want to compare the two, Lindsay's not being able to handle 20 touches a game isn't saying Deion Lewis isn't still a good pick later on. That that's what I'm trying. I don't think right, and that's what I was saying. If you throw ADP out, yeah. I, I just don't. I you know at the ADP, I mean, right now I'll take the cheaper guy because I, I think Lindsay's volume is going to get cut significantly from last year, or he's not going to make it through the season. Even and, so, but okay. Even so, even if you push Lindsay down to the fifth, late fifth, maybe even sixth. He's still not Deion Lewis, who, as of today, is 12th, even if you want to push him up three more rounds. You're, that's the difference. You're not drafting Deion Lewis anywhere in, like, rounds and rounds and rounds in the realm of getting close to where Philip Lindsay is, to your point. Totally. Yeah, totally. And that's, like, to Chris's point, I would rather have Mark Ingram and then take Deion Lewis later as opposed to getting Philip Lindsay where I'd Lindsay? have to take him to get him on my team. Oh, you know I'm a big fan of Mark Ingram. I love Mark yeah. Ingram this year. Yeah, we all do. Everyone yeah. should. There's a lot to like about Mark Ingram. Absolutely. Hey, this guy's been really good as the backup option with Camara, and yeah. now he's the lead option, and they're the happiest team in the world. Exactly. And 
people are like, well, whatever, Mark. I told you, Pat has more influence than you think. Pat, <laughs> he really Pat does. Soured, yeah. <laughs> he's soured the entire fantasy community on Mark Ingram. And I feel like it's and always then, just been you and I in Mark Ingram's corner. Like he always like he brings us on. <laughs> like you've been on his show, I've been on his show, and he's like, all right, where do I need to mark uh, rank Mark Ingram? You know what I mean? Like he just won't give him <laughs> any respect. But Ingram has been. You're right. He's been dominant now for a good three or four years on a per game basis. He's been one of the better backs in the league. Yeah, there's no question. All right, so let's move to the other portion of this team, the wide receivers. And the wide receivers, look, we know Joe Flacco's a quarterback, and we know Joe Flacco might not be at quarterback the entire season. Although, when your coaching team comes out and says that you're more of a pitcher than a quarterback right now, <laughs> I have to think you're not starting a game unless Joe Flacco breaks a leg. Like, I, I understand motivation. Oh, you know what? Let me sidebar on this real quick, Chris. Let me come to Brad and sidebar on this yeah, real yeah. quick. If your coach, Brad, came out and said something similar to that baseball related, where maybe he said, I don't I don't know how, what kind of comparison I can make for you because it's from the baseball sense. But, <laughs> sure. you know, to hear he's more of a pitcher than a quarterback, all he, like he needs to learn about being a quarterback. All he knows is how to throw the ball. Like, right. In baseball, that's, you're saying he's more of a thrower than a pitcher. Right. It's the and, same and thing. So like a guy with a really good would, arm but doesn't have any feel for as it. In, like, would you take that as in coaches challenging you and I understand I'm young and I need to develop or would a part of you be like, damn, I mean, like, thanks coach. Yeah. I, I mean the fact, I don't like the stuff that's when it's brought up publicly, like he might be trying to motivate him, but that's, that's, it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, there's no need. Like obviously like this guy wants to be the starter. He's going to try to go to camp and soak up everything. And if he doesn't, he's, he's going to get washed out anyways, because he's just not going to be good enough. Even, even if he was a first round pick with, with elite talent, which I don't think Drew Locke is um, at the same time, it was obviously wasn't a first round pick, but I don't think he has elite talent. <laughs> I think he's going to be at, at best. His ceiling is a, a mid tier quarterback. Um, if that's the case, he needs to do extra to try to soak this up. He's got to know the playbook better than Joe Flacco. He's got to uh, understand everything that's going on around him better to be good enough to start in this league because he's not going to get by on raw talent. And and right now the coach is saying, you've got raw talent, but you don't know anything about being a quarterback in this league. That's the stuff he has to work on if he's going to have any shot to play. Flacco, that's the stuff Flacco is good at. He's got a good arm, but he's but, not but as he accurate as he used Hold to on. be. You didn't answer the question. I want to know what Brad would say if somebody if it was just somebody said it about Brad. I want to know what you would have done. I I mean, I, especially as a rook, as a rook. Too. So okay, so they if they come to if a coach says that, then the next thing that's going to happen is all the media is going to flock to me and be like, "Hey, he just said this about you. Right. What do you think?" So my so, right, my so response what are you doing? at that point, yeah. So I, I'm like, well, I I mean, I understand I've got a lot to learn. Um, I internally I'm taking it personally like i don't like it i don't like when a coach says that about me publicly that's all i wanted to hear yeah that's what i wanted to hear i wanted to hear the the personality of it and he should take it personally if i was drew lock and somebody said i'd be like i would respond how you said jake damn like do i could have changed my whole (laughs) philosophy now like am i actually a quarterback should i what should i do to change things up like I mean, that's that's not something – Brad, you said it. It's unnecessary. There's no need to say anything like that. You just drafted this guy to be your future quarterback. <laughs> you brought in Joe Flacco to be your starter. Let's be honest. You're going with Joe Flacco. You feel like you have a chance to win, even though they shouldn't. But they are not going to throw this kid out there at week one. Uh, they're going to throw Joe Flacco out there. So there's no need for them to even say that. I think it's I think it's no. boring. Chris, I, I, you, you can mess with a guy's you, head by doing that open, like in the first couple weeks of camp. Right. You know how you say the same thing and not be a dick about it? Yeah. He could have said, 
hey, he's still trying to learn the touch yeah, of the can... NFL that you need. There, guess yeah. what? You just said the same thing because that's what people said about Colin Kaepernick for years is that he yeah. had a fastball and didn't know what touch is and kept throwing it a million miles an hour at a running back two, two feet away from him. Yeah. So you say he's still working on his touch. He's still developing the touch for the NFL. You just said what we said without being a dick. Yeah, at least I didn't say get in there in the in the training room with Joe Flacco and learn from him because, you know, Flacco would have been out and said, <laughs> no, I'm not teaching anybody how to throw the football. And <laughs> we would have had more turmoil. But, yeah. How many games does Drew Locke start this year? One, maybe because Flacco's hurt? That's probably it. Well, no, it, 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 I think it would be if potentially week 17, whenever they're already out of it. That, and it's kind of like the, pa- the Patrick one, Mahomes that'd be one game. Tw- 2017. Like, he, he sat no, was, the whole I season. Say, I was going to say three or four because I think they're out of it. Because they're out of it by 13 yeah. 14. Yeah. And you see what you have because, you know, there's a couple of pretty good quarterbacks in next year's draft. And there's some really good quarterbacks in the year the year after that. So right. see what you have in him. And no, no, it's kind of like the Josh Rosen thing. Like, he sucks right now, there, but thank you, you. got to know what you Hold have. Hold on. No, no. I'm glad you brought it up, Brad. That's where I was going to go real quick because we're going to come back. We're going to finish off the Broncos and the Raiders. But it is a sidebar worth conversation because Fitzpatrick has been in the news and Fitzpatrick has been quote unquote clearly outplaying Josh Rosen and Josh Rosen hasn't been even getting many first team reps to what you just said Brad everybody knows by now like I've made this very clear I'm not saying I'm 100% right I never said that but if I ran the Dolphins Fitzpatrick does not step on the field period this season and I know your stance Brad he doesn't get on the field unless Rosen is hurt because you made an amazing draft pick. You got amazing or trade there and got it because the Saints covered your two for this year for moving up. So you essentially got Rosen for nothing to find out if he is a bust or if he's not. You can't find out if you need to get another cornerback next year without putting Rosen on the field. If he's bombs, you know, maybe. Okay, if he bombs eight straight weeks, maybe you switch him out and like, look, we're going to suck anyway. Let's get Fitzpatrick out there. There's no reason to get killed every single week. But. Find out what you have in Rosen because if he doesn't ever step on the field to what you're saying and why I'm drawing this parallel, Brad, is because if Locke never steps on the field the entire season and the Ravens are out of it, if Rosen doesn't ever step on the field, and we know the Dolphins are one of the worst three teams in the NFL, you still don't know what you have next year in the draft. Like, what if Locke is a bust and they need to go right back and go get Tua or somebody like that? What if Rosen is a bust and you need to do the same thing? You can't find that out unless they're on the field, Brad. Right, unless unless it's just blatantly obvious in practice that I I'm sure. I'm nervous what this guy's going to look like when he gets out there. So, and I think right now that's that's what at least that's what you're hearing out of Vic Fangio is that Drew Locke is not seeing the field right now because he is not close to ready. He's changing arm angles all the time, and He's you know a at pitcher. Mizzou he can't play he, football. Yeah, at Mizzou he was running for his life, so he had to kind of you know kind of event you know event ways to make plays and he did a good job of it but right now he's trying to do the same thing in the pocket which is not what they want to see they want to you know they want to see him being you know this this technically sound quarterback um with with good throwing mechanics and that's not what he is and and so I think I just think you know he's like and and Flacco you know we we've already heard Flacco saying like I'm not I'm not mentoring anybody so um you know it's he's not going to learn from Flacco even though you know he's gonna if he's gonna learn from he's gonna have to do it by visual and not you know from Flacco sitting down with him at night over dinner and and helping him out Chris how many games do you think think your opinion Locke should play uh yeah I would give him a strong look I would I think he should play I think you should play like five or six I, I think you start with the race you can't you can't touch it if them, the right? Broncos if, well Broncos yeah if they're in the race oh, yeah. sorry we're yeah if they're <laughs> if they're in the race you continue to roll out Flacco 100 percent I mean that's why you brought right. you brought him in and they might be 
because of the receivers. So where are we going with this now? Because you know how I feel about Bayshon, but I also am 100% admitted and will continue to say so to let everybody know, don't go crazy on Deshaun Hamilton just yet. Like, please draft them. Please put him on your team because if Emmanuel Sanders does not return from this Achilles injury, anything like what he was before, you have a great pick in Deshaun Hamilton. He still relatively costs nothing, even if you want to take him in round 11, 10. Still, we've, we've said it a couple times on the show. Brad just said a few minutes ago about you're usually dropping half those guys anyway. All that being said, if Emmanuel Sanders turns out to be Steve Smith, the value for Deshaun Hamilton's going out the window. And I say like Steve Smith is in the one person who can return from Achilles and look just as good as he was beforehand, which would you would believe by watching Instagram for Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> so, Chris, how are you like, are you only drafting Sutton as of today? Are you taking a flyer on Hamilton or and or Sanders? Or you, if you're in a best ball, do you maybe draft all three and just cover your bases? Where are you going if you're drafting this weekend on the on, on the receivers? I probably will just bypass Sanders and Sutton and take take Hamilton. I see the upside that you see as well. I think he's a terrific wideout. And, yeah, I mean, Sanders is a freak. He could come back and – and be productive, but I still think Hamilton will still get some looks. And he's he's cheaper, obviously, 13th round. I just don't like this offense, and I, I know we're in that range where we got to pick somebody, but I'd just rather take the upside on other guys like Tyrell Williams and Campbell or, or anybody else, really. Um, and Sutton, I think, is just going slightly too early for me uh, in the ninth. But I like the future of these two guys. Like, I like Sutton Hamilton. I think, like, this time next year we're talking about them, you know, as maybe Sutton is a sixth round pick and Hamilton is an eighth round pick. Like I do think that they'll take big steps forward. I just, they're, they're really not on my draft radar. I will take Hamilton though. And you know what? I kind of want Sanders to be on the field because I think that means Hamilton will fall down even more. And I think he's, again, I think he's a good wide. I think he's going to be able to make some noises here. I just, I'm just not in on this offense. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I literally have not drafted a single Bronco at any point in any draft I've done. And that has nothing to do with me being a chiefs fan. It's just the fact that I don't, I don't think they're going to be very good. I don't like it. I mean, maybe Flacco in a best ball is your third quarterback, you know, maybe, but it's, it's just, I don't, I don't buy into any of the receivers at the price that I'm having to pay for them. I, and I honestly, my thought on Cortland Sutton is I think he's going to get wasted in, in Denver, almost like a, not, I think he's better than Josh Doxson, but a similar situation where he, he doesn't have great quarterback throwing to him. And so he's not going to get it, you know, get used in, in a way that is um, breeds success for him. And I think he's going to end up not having any fantasy relevance until he gets out of Denver. I just don't think it's going to be there because I don't, I don't think they're that good. All right, so last team in this division, and one, I'm getting a lot of shares of this team. Uh, I'm getting shares of Antonio Brown because people seem to be like, oh, Antonio Brown's going to suck now that he's with the Raiders. Not remembering the biggest thing I keep throwing back in their faces, guys, is remember Crabtree and Cooper together both being top 15 wide receivers with Derek Carr? Like when people thought Derek Carr was ascending, and yes, it was a miserable, miserable season for Derek Carr last year. But let's talk about the receivers he was dealing with with washed up Jordy Nelson for his number one and the second half of the season. And the issues, whatever you want to call it, is just never got that full 100% rapport we want with Amari Cooper. All that being said is, I don't get the Antonio Brown hate. He's one of the best receivers. Is he now number one? No. But does he drop outside the top 10? Hell no. 
Is he in the middle of the second round? Probably even sooner. I'm getting a ton of Antonio Brown so far, Chris. I love Antonio Brown too. Absolutely. And you know where I'm getting him in the in the middle of the second. I'm just like, all right, yeah. sure, great. I've I've started drafts with like Hopkins and Browns or or Adams and Brown or you know DJ and Brown. Like that's a start that I'm I'm perfectly fine with. And yeah, you're right. There's a lot of hate on Derek Carr, and that's all it is. That's that's absolutely anything that everybody says about negative about Brown is because of Derek Carr. That's it. Well, this team is going to be brutal defensively. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. They just acquired Brown. They're going to use him. They're not They're not going to treat him like Amari Cooper. This is a different beast. They're going to use Antonio Brown. I expect him to be one, two, or three in the league in targets. I think he's going to get a lot of play. Uh, I have no problem with Antonio Brown, and the fact that he's away from the Steelers just means that we get to draft him in the second this year. Yeah, I, I have no problem with Antonio Brown either. I don't, you know, I don't see, I mean, he's not, even if he has the high target volume, it's not going to be the same production in, in Pittsburgh, but at the same time, it's still going to be really good production. Um, so I've got no problem taking him. What's, what's his ADP now? 208 or something like that? Like, yeah, I'd, I'd take him as, as, you know, the the next receiver after Juju, you know, in the in the rankings there. What's that make him the, the eighth best receiver? I'm fi- totally fine with that. I'd take him over Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Keenan Allen, who are the guys going right after him. I'd take him over so, Beckham too, I think. And that's that's interesting. That's probably a hot take because I I would <laughs> <laughs> I would take Beckham Beckham uh, over over AB. I mean, it's sure, close. But... I have them side by side, right, in my rankings. But I, I would sure. if I was on the clock and I had the choice, I would take I would take Brown over Beckham. I think he's you're okay, right. So the, the efficiency well, probably won't be yeah. there. But the are you, are you taking his former teammate or you're taking Antonio Brown? Uh, oh, do you, do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would. Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I would take. Um, I would. Pro- I would probably take Juju there. Right? Yeah, I'd take Juju yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I'd take Juju over like three three of the guys going before Antonio Brown in ADP. Anyways. I know I'm labeled as the Juju hater. Know. I'm not. I just don't feel like he should go ahead of Adams and, <laughs> and Julio Jones and Michael label. Thomas. Like I just don't think or, or Tyreek. <laughs> no, you, I don't want, want that. Juju's gonna find do. out, man. You know how he's so active on social. He's gonna be all over me. I don't want that. I can't uh, have that. Gonna, Juju's gonna block you. Yeah, like Odell Beckham. You think he's that petty? He's gonna block you like Odell Bach me. Who, by the way, to your point, Brad. Actually, I have Tyreek Hill at fifth, and I go Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton. So okay. Juju is seven. Antonio Brown's eight for me. But yeah, I've got. I've got. Tyreek Hill at fourth, actually, um, with Michael Thomas right behind him. And then I've got Juju right after him oh. ahead of Beckham. Oh, Michael Thomas just signed Jones. his deal. I saw it. He's back at practice. Five mil? years, $100 million. Dude got, he got paid. 61 he got guaranteed. Million. It's awesome. He got his 21. Yep. And he got a ton of guaranteed. He got the six. I'm going to laugh if the Cowboys give anything similar to this for oh, Cooper. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know all... he's going to want it. Because uh, I don't know if you he guys saw this. That, this is another sidebar, but I don't know if you guys saw this. But Julio getting involved in the talks about being, you know, does anybody deserve to be on the level of him, paid why, blah, blah blah, all that type of stuff. And you know, Julio thinking of his own contract situation. But Michael Thomas probably has a case. Amari Cooper does not deserve to be in the conversation with Julio Jones contract wise. No chance. Absolutely not. Yeah. All yeah, right, and he, so, you know, even if he goes out and has a really good year this year, it, you still, you still don't put him in that category. No, not at all. So, all right, so the last piece of this offense, well, there's one more pieces, obviously. That does, oh, we talked about Tyrell Williams real quick. Are you guys on Tyrell Williams too? Because I am. Like, Tyrell Williams was a great option for several weeks. The biggest problem was he was on a team where he was yeah, often. Yeah, fifth op- option. I was, there you go. I was going to say fourth, if not fifth option some games, depending, and if everybody's healthy. And now he's the number two with, and we'll call, we'll pull him into this conversation because I love 
taking Darren Waller as my third tight end or second tight end if it's a deep, deep league or what, just to stash him because people forgot about him with the off-field situations. He got suspended for BEDs and all that type of stuff. But really athletic mismatch problem. They need tight end help because they lost Jared Cook in free agency. So Darren Waller, Tyrell Williams, the passing game, Chris, I mean, those two, those are options there. Like these are guys that could be valuable for your team plenty of weeks throughout the season. Absolutely. Yeah. As I said earlier, when we talked about this team is defensively, they're just not going to be good and they're going to be playing from behind a lot. And say what you want about Jared Cook, but this guy got 101 targets last year in this offense. I mean, there just wasn't a lot of options. So Antonio Brown and, and now, you know, you look at Tyrell Williams, I think there's going to be, he could very well be boom or bust, but I think he's, the number two option in this offense. And that's a significant upgrade for him. And this is probably where he was going as a member of the Chargers last year, which does make a lot of sense to me. So I think he's a great value in the 12th round. Yeah, it, and he, to me, is the ultimate best ball receiver because you can get him super late and he's going to have some enormous weeks where he has like five catches and 140 yards and, and a t- couple touchdowns. I, I don't want to play this guy on a week-to-week basis uh, on my team. I you know Sitting on the bench is fine. Bi-week replacement, maybe. But you're also taking a chance that he's going to get you know, one catch for 19 yards and, and that's all he gets for the week. So um, it, it's, it, it's, I, I would avoid him in a, in a redraft uh, regular league, but in a best ball league, I'm, I've got a lot of Tyrell Williams. Cause I think he's going to be, and, and you know, if you buy into the metrics from last year, Derek Carr was the best deep ball thrower in football. Um, who, who knows if, if that's legit and, or, you know, if it was just kind of fluky stats, but he can throw the deep ball. And, and if that's the case, Tyrell Williams should, should have a lot of over the top success. Carr gets a lot of heat, man. 69% completion rate last year. I mean, that's, that's not awful. I mean, no, it's part of it. And part of it's the perception of fans and fantasy players. It was the perception. I go back to that season again, when you had both those receivers inside the top 15 and it was the perception Derek Carr is going to be a franchise quarterback better than his brother. He's on his way up. Everything looks great. And then he fell off that. So, so many people became, you know, like just upset with him and his performance. And it also spilled over into fantasy because people were taking him in fantasy as a fringe QB one and thinking the, the arrow was going to continue to point up. And, all and so he disappointed basically everybody. And then, it, the, you know, on top of that, how bad the team was, how bad the wide receivers have been for him. I'm, I'm different. I'm taking Tyrell Williams even in a redraft because I'm getting him as my fifth wide receiver. So I can start him as my third or in the flex plenty of weeks and play the matchups or even, you know, just roll him out there. If he's my fourth wide receiver and I have to roll him out eight games throughout the year, I'm fine with that. So I'm a little bit more optimistic. But you guys both know this. The one I'm the most optimistic on is Josh Jacobs. And every single time I'm sitting there and getting him in the third round, I maniacally laugh at everybody because I just love – all these people that are scared of Josh Jacobs because they're scared of the fallacy that is John Gruden not using bell cows because we've hammered that home before. We've already done this on this show. As a reminder, if you didn't hear that episode, 290 carries for Cadillac Williams. Not touches. I didn't say touches, everybody. Carries for Cadillac Williams' rookie season in 14 games under John Gruden. Gets hurt. Comes back. 14 games. 240-plus carries. Gave Tyrone Wheatley 200-plus carries two years in a row. Ernest freaking Graham, everybody. 222 carries in 10 starts that year. So, Chris, am, am I the highest on Josh Jacobs, or is this a family show? We all love Josh Jacobs. I'm, I think you're the highest. Nope, you already hesitated. Well, already but I know Brad funny. doesn't like him as much as you. I think we've we've kind of had that convo before. But I, I do like him. I mean, I want to be part of the family here, guys. 
I think he's definitely a, a top <laughs> 20 running back. I think he has upside to be a borderline <laughs> RB1. There's not a lot of guys that can take away the touches for him, right? Like Jalen Richard is, is not that kind of back. Maybe he catches a few balls at the backfield when they're down from behind, but Jacobs can do that as well. And DeAndre Washington, Doug Martin, let's be serious. They're nothing. So I think that at the end of the day, I don't know where you have projections, but I think he's, oh, he's probably – but for touches, he's probably like a borderline top 12 guy. I, th- I feel like every week oh, he'll yeah. be in the top I'm 10. For, for, th- I'm from right around yeah. 300 touches. Touches so let me, and snap counts will l- probably be up Let me phrase this a little bit differently for you, Chris, and then we'll swing over to you, Brad. But to put well, everything you just said, because you mentioned the backups, and I like that you mentioned the backups, let me ask you this. Unless Jacobs falls on his face and just disappoints completely, you know, if he this is obviously with the assumption that Jacobs is going to look fine in the preseason and he's going to be exactly who we think. Jacobs with Doug Martin as his backup if some, if he gets hurt and Jalen Richard as the pass catching option how much difference is this really from James Conner, Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels I know the offenses are different I'm just talking about the roles and my point that's my point is that James Conner's role is Josh Jacobs' role they're both going to be the workhorse guys yes I would agree 100% and that that's right fair. Here. I so I'm I've I've got a I've, what I feel like is a good analogy here. It's out of the fam. Yeah, no, I, I'm gonna be Jon Snow. I'm I'm the stepchild that that Jake, who is Catelyn Stark, hates and can't stand my take on this. And and Chris is kind of the middle ground Ned Stark trying to keep peace because <laughs> there I I think. I don't think Josh Jacobs gets near the volume that you think. And it's not because I think any of the other running backs are going to be there. It's because I think the Raiders will be trailing every game after the first quarter and they're not going to be able to run the ball. It's not going to be in the, in the game script because they are going to be trailing because their team, their defense is not good. Their, their offense is, is has, they are going to have to score early to, especially when they're playing the chiefs and Chargers a couple games they're, they're going to have to score early to even be in a position to run the ball in midway through the second quarter, or they're going to have to come out in the second half and just chuck the ball like crazy. And I just don't see the volume there for Josh Jacobs that, that you project. You know, the Cadillac Williams situation was a lot different because that Tampa defense was elite. And I don't, that's, that's not the case with the, the Raiders. They're not going to be in these, these slow, slow-paced games where you can run the ball and try to keep the, keep the score down. That's not going to be the case. They're going to have to be throwing just a, to, to have any shot to win games. And that to me is why one of the biggest reasons why I like Antonio Brown, because I think they're just going to be chucking the ball almost like the, the not quite to the same level, but like the Steelers last year where they're, you know, 600 plus throws because they're, that's the only way they're going to have a chance to win. See, I think you get too hung up on that though, because for one is Josh Jacobs is going to stay on the field for a lot of that. I have him for over 40 receptions. And the fact is it also people get too caught up in the, well, the defense is so terrible the offense is going to be on the field a ton, or vice versa. The defense is going to be so good that they're just going to have to run the ball. I think people get caught up in that too much. They, they analyze it too far instead of just saying, you know what, what is the talent and what is the potential for touches? And maybe if you want to discount it a little bit and say he doesn't get 250 carries, he only gets 230 or something like that, we could go down that road. But I, I think people get way too caught up in the angle you're taking. And I'm not saying that you're only saying the touches are going to be poor because the defense is poor but I think people overrate that because we see it from time and time and time again year after year after year after year where twofold twofold one it doesn't always matter it doesn't always matter for like a good example you know Derrick Henry you know he's definitely he's not even good as Josh Jacobs in the passing game and he got fed and fed and fed and fed when finally got an opportunity whether they were up or down 
and the second part of it is teams change so much year to year. I agree with you, Brad, that the, uh, the Raiders defense still hasn't fixed enough problems to be a solid defense. But you could go within a season because let's talk about a few, like I think it was two or three years ago. Chris, you remember this because we were talking about it on the show. Is Remember when the Giants' defense was, oh, my God, stay away from them for the first eight weeks of that season, and then the second half they had some injuries and people started falling off, and all of a sudden it was exploit the living hell out of the Giants' defense? Yeah. So it's just not even year to year. It's even within seasons. His defenses couldn't surprise us. Yeah, I, I, I thought Brad was going to follow up there. So did I. I just don't buy it. No, I just <laughs> I know. I told you, I'm Jon Snow and you're Catelyn Stark. Get out I of don't here. ruin too much, so, okay? I'm only on season oh, three. Oh, whoa, whoa, hold on. So, I, yeah, I'm fine. I, I'm going to die and haunt the hell out of you as a ghost. I can tell you that, much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just I, – I don't know. I, I don't – I don't think they're. I just don't think they're that good. I don't even think they're going to score a lot of touchdowns in general. And and I think that's Josh Jacobs' best chance to be a, a, an RB one. Like you have him, you have him at RB twelve overall. I, that's my his only shot to me is if he's getting you know double digit touchdowns. And I just don't see it happening. They only had nine only as a team with, rushing last I have, year. I have nine and a half touchdowns total. So. Yeah, and I and but you're you're conservative with your projections typically. But so this is a I, significant upgrade from what they had to work with last year, though. Let's be honest; they sure. never had a number one wide receiver. They never had a running back. Up. Yeah. Let, 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 let's be honest. Hold on, time out. Like, let's talk about the offense for a second. Derek Carr, Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, and then you know Runfro and the rest that are in the mix. It's a thousand times better than it was last year. Yes, I don't even remember after, like, Jordy wasn't even on the field. We were talking, like, that's why Cook had 101 targets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, there's just, there was just nobody, right? Seth Roberts Jared was hanging Cook around. He's gone. Yeah, it's, there, there's, there's nothing there. I mean, when we're splitting hairs, Brad brings up a good point. We're splitting hairs. We're talking about a team that is going to be playing from behind quite often. Um, but, you know, they surprised me at times last year, too. There were games where they hung around. I mean, they beat the Steelers down the stretch. They got into that one game against Kansas City where there was 73 points scored. Like, they and they're going to move the ball up and down the field, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we are splitting hairs here. But I, I do feel like well, I, I lean on the side of, of Jake in terms of I feel like he's going to be on the field a lot. I don't think it's going to be Barkley like where he's getting twelve targets a game, but I do feel like he's going to be involved in the passing game. And that's what we were here for. We're here for the people to listen to us and digest our information and say, well, this time I agree with Brad. This time I agree with Jake. Or just you know, I always agree with Chris. Whatever it might be. Uh, before we get out of here. <laughs> We got a couple quick hit things. We talked about Michael Thomas. Uh, I wanted to bring up real quick baseball because there are some of you out there playing fantasy baseball, caring about fantasy baseball, and we're not going to like leave you completely stranded when big things happen. Trevor Bauer, huge, mega, super, gigantic trade that everybody was kind of a little surprised at last night. And then the best part, Chris, is in classic Yasiel Puig fashion, the dude gets in a fight as his last game as a Cincinnati Red. <laughs> Although Amir Garrett even went further because you want hey. For your whole Game of Thrones reference over yeah. there, Brad, he definitely pulled the Jon Snow and went full bore into the entire bench and team <laughs> trying to start this. <laughs> like, that was a brawl of brawls. But for fantasy purposes, I mean, you could touch on that, too, just what, what you thought or were amused by with that. But, Chris, the Bauer with a new team, is he done? Does, do you care where he's pitching for his value? Does Yesiel Puig get another boost because he's been picking things up lately now with a contender-ish sort with the Indians? Are you making anything fantasy relevant here? Uh, I think everybody kind of stays the same. I, I, I like Bauer. I, th I think he has upside to be a 10, um, you know, a top 10 pitcher. 
And Cleveland, this is exactly what they needed, right? I mean, they their offense started off slow. Jose Ramirez now looks like Jose Ramirez. Lindor at the start of the year wasn't great, but they were missing those two holes in their lineup from Edwin Encarnacion and Michael Brantley. Now they get Franmil Reyes and they get Yasiel Puig. So I like the Indians roster a lot. I don't think it changes too much. It's not as nice of a ballpark in Cleveland as it is in Cincinnati, uh, but I, I feel like Puig, wherever he was, I still think he is upside to be a top 25 outfielder. I, I don't think that that changes at all. Very interesting trade, crazy turmoil. I think you're definitely going to want to listen to a couple of shows here on The Athletic over the next couple of days. Tomorrow, Yins Above Replacement, the Pittsburgh pod, and then WARP in Cincinnati, the Cincy pod. We actually had them on together as one pod earlier in the year because this stems back all the way from Derek Dietrich. We've been talking about this, guys, all year, right? Brad, Derek Dietrich, and, and watching his home runs. This, is, this has gone on all year, so... It's going to be extremely entertaining to get the two sides, their takes from that brawl last night. But crazy blockbuster. And the Reds go into next year. I don't think the Reds are as crazy as everybody is thinking. Like, yeah, they traded Trammell, their best prospect. They go into next year if they do keep Bauer, arbitration, next year's a free agent. After next year's a free agent, sorry. So they can keep him for that one year. They can go into next year with a Bauer... Gray and Castillo rotation, that's pretty good. Yeah, Bauer might not even be there. They're talking about they might be flipping them. They could flip them, but on that podcast, they're talking about a, lo- a lot about how they have the money to bring on somebody like a Bauer and actually pay them. And because there's a lot of money coming off the books, Yasiel Puig yeah, was yeah, a free agent. They didn't want to. I think they want to keep Bauer. This is a team. Okay, that's fine. Only just, the Dodgers was, have allowed fewer runs. I was going to say, I, I want to stick them. to the fancy spin. Yeah, that's I think all. he's fine. I think, I think he stays the same. <laughs> And, and I, I, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say he, he actually takes a step back, and it wouldn't surprise me if he finished the year with an ERA over four. He's sitting at 379 well, right hold now. Hold on. Isn't the outfield wall closer? He can throw more balls over it. Exactly. So. And imagine no, that's his yeah, last pitch there's as no, an Indian. There's no question about that. He could probably throw it over the batter's eye in Cincinnati. So, <laughs> but, he, but he's – I mean, he leads baseball in walks. He leads baseball in hit by pitches, and he's given up 22 homers, which is only three shy of his, his career high of, of 25 back in 2017. And he now he's moving to Cincinnati, which is a much better hitter's park. He's got to go to the Cubs he's got to go to the Brewers which are really good hitters parks he's playing a pretty good a hot St. Louis team like I don't like his division matchups here compared to where he was at before um, I know the twins were, were hitting really well but but the rest of that division is not not good offense so um, I I think he takes a step back and I if I own him right now I trade him Ooh. Yeah, there's there's one for you. There's there's a hot take. It's right good points, actually. I mean, the division switch is, is significant. I like the fact he's going to the NL and he gets away from the AL, but he was in a pretty weak division. I'll give you that. Yeah, you have all the well, – except for the Twins. The twins are hitting home runs. I mean, you, yeah, could, I mean, you, you can make cr- that argument having to face the Twins with how many home runs they're hitting. Mitch Garver hit like five in a row off of them, so he doesn't face <laughs> him anymore. Speaking <laughs> of which, Paul, Paul Goldschmidt's woken up, everybody, if, yes. you're not, if you weren't paying attention to that. All right, so hey, real quick, because at this point, it's not going to even be news. Actually, it's still probably not even news as of today. This will be the last one we get out with, just out of curiosity. Did you guys notice Mark Sanchez, quote-unquote, retired from football, but he's going to the booth with ESPN? Did you notice that, Chris? I did. I did see that. Um, I, I, Is it for technically college, retired? It's college, right? I know, I know, I know. But he was so, a really uh, good college football quarterback. So, that's, <laughs> well, But what I was going to say, Brad, is this, I mean, hey, you play the sport. Is it technically retiring if it's just nobody wants you? Uh, I mean, essentially, it is kind of. I mean, it's possible that that he was that there were teams still calling to say like, "Hey, would you be a third quarterback?" I mean, it, compared to some of the All other right, third quarterbacks, you want to come hold a clipboard I mean, in Denver when, when you've got when you got John Gruden saying he's he's really likes Nate Peterman. I mean. Come on, what we've seen, we've seen this. We've gone down this road. Like that makes Whoa, me question everything. He actually does like Nate Peterman. No, no, no he no. liked Nate Peterman before. Yeah, he. Let's did. be I clear. 
Let's be clear about John Gruden. He loves everybody. Yeah, he likes everybody. There's, there's no context with him. I think the biggest thing we should take from John Gruden is if he ever, ever happens to say he's okay. He doesn't even have to say he doesn't like somebody. <laughs> Just he's okay means he's probably the worst player in history of football. <laughs> that's that's, that's fair. That's fair. I, I laughed at that quote yesterday. Nathan Peterman's growing on me. I could just picture it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm a Gruden I fan. I, I can I hear like his him. voice in the damn Gruden film room right now. Oh, yeah. With the, oh, look at this guy. Oh, my God. He loved Peterman anyway, out of college. He did, and now yeah. He's he seeing him on a daily basis. That, so it, Make no mistake. That's why they got him. Like, yeah. they didn't just get him because he threw seven picks and nine throws over, in one Over game. under Nathan Peterman starts this year. One. Over <laughs> one. He'll start one game. You think he will? Yeah, because Carr is a little fragile. He'll start one game. Not, yeah. not because Carr struggles, just because Carr can't play. Just because he can't play. So I, I guess you put him ahead of Mike Glennon in the in the pecking order for their second quarterback. Yeah, so. you're right. I do. I know <laughs> Gruden likes him some, some Peterman. Remember when Mike Glennon got 18 a year? That was fun. Oh, yeah. All right. You know what else is fun? This weekend, even though Brad's not going to be there. Come on, Brad. Uh, yeah, come on, Brad. Flex weekend. This Make sure you're paying attention to that. We're going to be tweeting out the draft boards will be out there. This is the industry kickoff for the draft season. Flex leagues. You can see what we're doing. We have a super flex. We have a snake. And we have an auction. So you can see all three types this weekend. It's going to be good times in New York. And we will be back for good times next week. Um, assuming we're barely going to get to the NFC East on Monday if it's anything like this week with all the news that's coming out. So make sure you're checking us on Twitter. Chris Meany is at Chris Meany. Brad Ziggler is at Brad Ziggler. I'm at All in Kid. And we'll be back on Monday. We appreciate it.